Just a quick recap. Um, you'll remember that we spoke, we've had three foundational um, talks before launching into the Radical Christ, um, and that was to look at um, how consciousness and the whole idea of God consciousness begins in human experience. Uh, it's our way of trying to understand what's going on, becoming aware that we're aware was so overwhelming that we tended to project everything outwards and the divine was projected outwards. And then through the process of the incarnation and Gnostic understanding of Gnosis, getting to know, we came to realize that knowing was more important than believing. Um, and, and so we have taken back that projection of divinity outwards onto an external God back through the message of Christ to an incarnational one that um, the temple of God is within us, the spirit of God is within us. Um, we are the God uh, that we worship. Um, and then, of course, we looked in the last session at some archetypes and what the power of archetypes and myth is. <clears throat> so today I want to jump into a helicopter and take a big overview of the territory that we're going to be covering as we now look at Jesus the map for every human journey and that really is the the outline the core of uh, the teachings of this radical Christ series it was the great Joseph Campbell who wrote a book which you'll probably find on every filmmaker's shelf and many many novelists shelves it's called the hero with a thousand faces and in the work um, that, that Campbell spent many, many years developing, um, not commercially very successfully at all, um, and yet was, was informative in the creation of epics like Star Wars. And George Lucas used Campbell as a consultant on Star Wars, which, which he claimed was the modern myth of, of the space era. Um, Campbell in The Hero with a Thousand Faces maps out a specific um, journey that a hero goes on in all the great myths of all cultures, all legends from certainly in in Western Europe but, but even broader than that. And, and it begins with a call or a mission that is given to the hero uh, or the, the protagonist in the story. Um, then there's the acceptance of the call, uh, the ch of the challenge. Um, then the person goes out, the hero goes out um, and tries to fulfill this calling or this mission and usually fails and no normally uh, gets broken or wounded, a very important part of the journey, and then falls into some deep crisis, um, maybe imprisoned, might be, find himself uh, in the mines of Mordor, um, as you know from Lord of the Rings. And then through a process of overcoming, the hero's journey then takes them to victory as they overcome all the challenges, all the Herculean tasks from, from the, um, the Greek mythology. Um, and they then secure a boon, a reward. And the blessing of that reward is then brought back to the community where they set out from in the beginning. So that's Joseph Campbell's map of all stories, um, certainly all myths, all legends. 
Um, so that's the one part that I want us to grab hold of, that there is this process. And if we're talking about Jesus, then it would be interesting to reflect on whether we can find a similar map. I believe we can, and I'll be pointing it out to you, of, of this process in Jesus's life that maps out for us our own heroic journey, just like his. And that's where we conform our lives and understand our lives by looking at his life. His journey becomes our journey. What he did not take, he could not have redeemed. What he did not become, he couldn't have redeemed. He became fully us, therefore we are fully redeemed by him. So with Campbell's um, process, um, steps of the hero's journey, um, I, I then want to uh, bring in another very formative um, aspect that has shaped me and my, all my thinking over many, many years, and that is um, the rosary. Uh, many of you would be surprised to, to see a, a Protestant, a Methodist, um, being a, a supporter of the Rosary. There's a long backstory. As a 16-year-old schoolboy, I found myself through some wonderful circumstances at Fatima in Portugal. And ever since that day, I didn't quite know what I was doing. I don't think I'd actually heard about the Virgin Mary, except in Nativity Place. But so ever since that day, she has been very much part of, of my life and, and my prayer um, and there's always been this feminine aspect in the Godhead. Um, and I feel, I feel kind of in good company, uh, not only because millions of Catholics pray the Rosary daily, and it's a very powerful uh, prayer tool. Um, the Rosaries exist in, in, in all traditions, in Islam, in Buddhism, in Hinduism, various forms of bead counting um, uh, tools, if you like. Um, but, but John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist, very few people uh, know this, and when they visit his, uh, his home, um, they, they are the museum where he, or the home where he lived, they're always amazed to find a rosary on his prayer desk. But, but Wesley was a high church Anglican, and as a high church Anglican, he prayed the rosary. So, with that, uh, all those T's and C's and waivers applied, the rosary um, is... is a collection of um, 10 beads separated by a big bead, another 10, and there are five sets of these 10 beads. And there's the old, um, the old child's rhyme, which goes five for sorrow, 10 for joy, um, one for a girl, two for a boy, something like that. Um, and what it refers to is that the rosary is divided up um, into mysteries. So there are actually 150 or, or 15 different stops in the life of Christ that St. Dominic, who, who developed the rosary as, as a tool for teaching the faith. Remember, this is before printing. So it's a way of helping people know the gospel story of Jesus' life. So the five for sorrow is, are, are the five aspects of Jesus' suffering. Uh, for, for example, the prayer in Gethsemane, the arrest in the garden, the trial, um, the, the, um, the, the, f uh, the, the flogging, and then the, the carrying of the cross or the crucifixion. So um, that's, that's said on a Tuesday and a Friday. Those are the sorrowful mysteries, the five sorrowful mysteries. Then you have the 
on a, on a Monday and a Thursday, you would pray the joyful mysteries, which are about the, the birth, the Annunciation, and then the glorious mysteries on a Wednesday and a Saturday um, are the post-resurrection events in Jesus' life. Um, so the rosary is the Christian, historically, the Christian 15 stops in the life of Christ, looking at aspects kind of like the stations of the cross that take you through his sufferings and death. Uh, the, the rosary looks at the life of Christ in 15 segments. Now, I'm not going to copy those exactly, but I want you to see the tie up between St. Dominic's rosary, the Christian rosary, Joseph Campbell's um, The Hero's Journey, and you're beginning to see how there are these stages and steps. And I want to show through using a form of a rosary how we can stop and meditate at these various map key points in Christ's life in a way that integrates our own life and transforms us who are the followers. So that's the second thing. Joe Campbell's The Hero's Map. The rosary, the 15 steps in the life of Christ. Jesus is the map for every human life. So when I first went to India and begin, began to study Hindu culture, I was fascinated that the, 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 um, the Hindus divide life up into very clear um, uh, eras, if you like. Um, so from, from the age of birth until 25, you are regarded as a student or an apprentice. You're learning whatever skill it is that you are going to practice for the rest of your life. During that time, you are supported by the next stage. The people in a 25 to 50 year old group are called the householders. So those are the ones who then use the skill they have learned and they apply themselves. They make the bread and bring it home. Um, and support the youngsters and then support the older people who are past 50 and, and now going into old age. And those, those people are then supported again by the householders and you can either become a devout um, older person, an elder um, in your community or you can become a renunciate, a sannyasa, and you can don the, uh, the orange robes and you can wander off into the forest as you prepare for your death and the next, next reincarnation. Again, can you see the stages of life? Link that with our modern psychology's understanding. Eric Erickson, for example, who has the eight stages of life, these very clear stages we go through. And you, you begin to understand that these these. It's quite common in human experience to break life down into parcels, packets, stages. So what are the stages in Jesus' life? Going to, the, going to the rosary, going to the gospels, um, we, we discover that you can have a look at Jesus' life and you begin to identify, and here's the overview map of where we're going to be going. There is the period of expectation and Annunciation. So that's where it begins. Those are the joyful mysteries. The, the, in fact, the Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. That is actually based on the angelic greeting that Gabriel gives to Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Um, so that is what 
the greeting that Gabriel gives to Mary. So Jesus' life begins in expectation and annunciation. And we're going to look at how that ties in to our own experience of coming into this world. Was the expectation, was the annunciation, or was the perhaps rejection that has wounded us for the rest of our lives? We won't get into that now. So, first stage, expectation. The second stage in Jesus' life is his time of preparation. So, the last time we see the child Jesus is when he's in the temple at the age of 12, and then he disappears until he's 30. Time of preparation. And now you can choose one of two paths. You can either get very exotic, as many people do, and say that he traveled secretly to India and he, he, he did all sorts of things. Or, uh, or, alternatively, and I tend to favor the second one, that he just spent 18 years, those 18 years, unknown years, apprenticed to Joseph, learning a trade, um, learning what it was just to be ordinary. I kind of like that. This to be doesn't have to always be exotic and grandiose. In fact, grandiosity sometimes gets in the way of our spiritual and psychological growth. Expectation, annunciation, preparation. Then, of course, the hero years. Jesus at 30, baptized by John, comes saying the kingdom of God is, is here. The kingdom of God is arrived. The reign of God is among you. Um, and there begins his success, his, his public ministry that the breaks down into three years, years traditionally. There's the years of preparation and there's the years of popularity. And then the years of opposition. So those three years, uh, very successful. The hero is now accomplishing what the hero set out to do. But then the tide turns and here comes the wounding. And it's at this point where my fundamentalist friends get incensed and angry with me because I believe that Jesus fails. Um, I think Jesus fails in his mission. I do not believe, as so many people believe, that Jesus came to earth to die. I, d I believe the crucifixion was plan B. I think plan A was that we people, humanity, would have accepted the reign of God um, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of forgiveness, allowed the transformation to happen. Uh, Jesus' crucifixion was because um, humanity and religious humanity particularly wasn't going to have any part of that because it was going to upset all their business plans and all their egotistical plans as well. And so they killed him. Jesus fails. Um, if it wasn't a failure, you can't make sense of what goes on in Gethsemane. My God, my God, take this cup away. And then later on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has failed. The crucifixion is an abject failure. And that's a good thing because you and I who are watching this know that we only learn through failing. We don't learn through succeeding. I, I've had reasonable success in my life, um, most of which hasn't taught me anything. The most important lessons I've learned has been through failing and failing in spades, uh, failing in all sorts of bad decisions I've made, bad choices I've exercised, um, mistakes, um, broken relationships, broken promises, hypocrisy, my own hypocrisy um, as I sit here in front of you as a human being who has failed. I think it's important that Jesus failed, that I, we recognize that Jesus failed. And then there's the descent. 
Um, he dies, crucified, dead, and was buried. Um, and there's the whole mythology around him going into hell, into the hell realms, preaching to those who had died before he had come, and then um, ransoming those in hell, leading them out. Um, and there's a fascinating story around that we'll get into. Um, but there's the failure, the descent, and then comes the redemption, where the stone is rolled away. There comes the resurrection. And in, in, in psychological terms, we call that the integration, the reintegration, the, the discovery of the true self. Not this little S-ego, but the big self that is bigger than all of us, the, the reality of participating in life. So, so there it is. Um, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, the rosary, giving us the, the nice steps in the life of Christ. Um, and Jesus' life, those stages of expectation, annunciation, of preparation, of public ministry, of failure, of death, of descent into hell. Jesus has been there. So if you're in hell right now, he knows what it is and he's been there. More than you understand, um, he understands. And then comes resurrection, redemption and integration. So... That's the helicopter view. Thank you for your time and uh, I look forward to unfolding as we now begin to dive into specifics of Jesus, the radical Christ, a map for every human life, yours and mine. Thank you for your attention.